All right, folks, welcome back to the Go Time Podcast. And this is our last, uh, fourth and final episode with Eddie Hinton. And uh, this one's pretty cool. There's, like I said before, there's not a whole lot I wanted to cut out. There's some really cool stuff that we've gotten to share and talk to Eddie about um, in this episode, a little bit of history. Um, but also part of that history is a recount of the very last touchdown pass made by Johnny Unitas. And yours truly, Eddie Hinton, um, is the receiver of that touchdown pass. Um, what his feelings are about the guy, uh, Mr. Unitas himself, and um, really something else. I, 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 and not only a, a great in legend in the in the uh, NFL, but also by Eddie's accounts, and you'll get to hear it, um, somebody who invested in other people, um, believed in other guys, and, uh, and to be called out for that moment in history had to have been quite the deal. And how you deal with pressure like that, the mindset of a champion, and I, I really enjoy this part with Eddie. Um, also, stick around for the last part. Um, kind of funny at the end and and uh, a couple of pretty cool extra stories in there. So anyhow, hope you guys enjoy this episode of the Go Time Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to the Go Time Podcast. Go Time Podcast. The meeting place of industry leaders, elite athletes, and game-changing individuals from around the world. Here we explore the grit, guts, and mental fortitude required to succeed in business, competition, and life that you've been looking for. So stop looking and start listening. It's Go Time with Brendan O'Reilly and Todd Martin. That's exactly right. right. So where am I going to go from here? Make excuses and hope he buys me another one or do whatever else. Like, mm-hmm. I, like no, here it is, man. That's right. This is where it, this is where it, you had that opportunity and you mm-hmm. took advantage of it. Yeah. No, man, I understand. And I think that's part of the thinking quick. <laughs> Sometimes we got to do that. <laughs> Think on our feet quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, my poor wife is sitting there looking at me like, "What in the heck?" I'm like, "What have you gotten us into? This is our livelihood." I'm sure have, she's oh had many god. moments like oh that. Oh my god, I've made that woman worry so much. Oh, that's cute. But she's a stick to it. Oh, I can she's tell. a good one. She's she's the same thing. She's invested into prospects at the same right. time as mm-hmm. with me. Well, Eddie, right. um, you have to come back out again. Man, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, uh, I don't get a chance to have these kind of conversations with very few people. I'll be honest with you, around the country. And um, no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And yeah. I was looking forward to it. Good. I was too. I, um, yeah, I'd love to have you back. I'd like to, I'd like to explore like just, you know, more on the mental toughness and stuff. I think those things are such great stories, you know, instances that you run through that to tell. That well, it's, it's others. again, yes, but I understand you're reaching out. Today's society, people don't even care about history. Wow. You know, I mean, I had to research 
when I was living in Houston, I was a speaker for the Houston Livestock Show Radio, raising money, uh, not raising money, but going out and speaking uh, for the Houston Livestock Show, sharing with how much money that the Livestock Show invests in kids yeah. and scholarships. Yeah, that's big. So, but I had to come up with a theme. So I started researching a lot about the black cowboy and Buffalo soldiers. Oh, really? That's incredible stuff. It really was. And I mean, I got to find out about Bill Pickett that I didn't know about, uh, Bash Reeves, about the first black uh, uh, lawman out of Arkansas. And he, his territory was going to pick up the bad guys in, in uh, Oklahoma and Texas and Kansas and bring them back alive. And this guy was so awesome. And that had, I'm seeking for, doing my research, I'm seeking for pride. I'm seeking for existence. I'm seeking for strength and wisdom and knowledge yeah. as a black man. Yeah. Even going back all the way to slavery, I am the descendant of the ones that survived on this ship. Mm. See, that's where my strength come from, as you kind of asked. Bill Cosby years ago, and a lot of people don't like talking about Bill Cosby, used to do a special with, I think, Western House uh, Electric talking about black history years ago. And he made a comment about a black cow- cowboy <coughs> walked in a saloon with, uh, he said, ordered two drinks. He said, yes, sir, we deserve one, but what's the drink for the other horse? Well, the, well, who's the drink for the other person? He says, for my horse. And I'm like, oh, my God, just little stuff like that. <laughs> so I start reading upon and realize, going back to you have to have something to offer. The first cowboys really was Hispanics, the conquistadors that came here and brought horse and cows from Spain in the 1500s. They landed in Tampa Bay, Florida. On that ship was a Moorish slave named Estevanico that was looking for grass to be for grazing for the animals better than they did in Florida. Somehow he ended up in Texas. And that's when they moved most all the horses and cows to Texas. The cowboys, the Hispanic cowboys knew a great deal about the what you could do with the hide of the cow. And of course, all the things you can make, saddles, boots, clothes, and all this other stuff. But they didn't mind sharing that knowledge with the people. When blacks became free from the slavery days, uh, from the Civil War, they had to ask themselves a question. What do we have to offer to the New West? We know what the Hispanics have to offer. Blacks knew a little bit about horticulture and how to take that soil and turn it over and raise plants and, and, and vegetables and fruit and all this other stuff. But when the white cowboy come along, they said, well, what do you have to offer to the New West? He thought about it. He had to really think about it. We know what the Hispanics can do about the clothing of the hide and the cows and all this other stuff. You know, the blacks knows how to raise fresh fruit and vegetables. He said, what I'm going to do is going to market their talent and make money off of it. Okay, so, but they all had something to offer. Mm-hmm. See, and that's where I come to with my philosophy. If you don't have anything to offer in society, what do you think is going to get you going to get back in return? The Buffalo soldiers came along during the 9th and 10th Cavalry, where they were only allowed. And I never understood back in Oklahoma, they used to say, well, when we're going to get our 40 acres of a mule, where did that concept come from? It came from if you was in the military and stayed six years, we would give you 40 acres and give you a mule to start, which they never got. 
But it was ninth cave child. Their job was to dig out trenches for a latrine and cook. They didn't give me the weapons until the West start forming. And they realized the ranchers and the farmers in this part of the country start saying, hey, there's some people out here with feathers in the head trying to take our animals and our land from us that they ain't taking. They sent the Buffalo Soldier 9th and 10th Cavalry that end up in Fort Davis. Their job was to protect from the Canadian border down to the Mexican, down to the coast, from the Mississippi River to the Rocky Mountains. They had to cover with 5,000 soldiers to come and protect the ranchers and protect the farmers during those times that didn't even like them. And they were the only ones that the Indians really respected. They were the only ones that ended up getting the, uh, what's his name? His, his name, uh, Geronimo, because nobody else could catch him. And they got the name from the Indians called Buffalo Soldiers because they could ride good, they could shoot good, and they could hunt. And the Indians him said, and you got hair just like the buffalo, so we're going to call you Buffalo Soldiers. I thought. Oh, my God. Now, in that Fort Fort Davis, they had a commanding officer, which, see, I have to go into intrigues, like you doing this podcast, in looking at the history of my people, where did they get their tenacity from? There was a commanding officer at that Fort Davis named Henry Flipper. In 1889, he graduated from West Point. You know what went in my mind when I thought about that? West Point? West Point. In 1889, do you understand what he went through because his parents were slaves? He said as a kid, one day I want to be in the army and I want to be a commanding officer. Do you realize they didn't allow no blacks to be a commander of anything during those times? And this kid grew up uh, a slavery mother and father, and he had this concept. It's just like a flower grows up sometimes through concrete, and you want to, how in the heck did I get the, yeah. this is the resilience that our people actually end up having, that I'm a part of that. We have no quit attitude. You can keep knocking us down. We're going to figure a way how to make it work for us. That's incredible. That's, what, that's where my essence, all that's come from. So they stuck Henry Flipper out here, and he was controlling all this. He got so strong and powerful that they were, they end up, Give him an honorable discharge. I kicked him out of army because they said he was embezzling money of the government's money. You and I would think, well, he would say, screw the government. No. Henry Flipper was a thinker. Somehow he ended up in Spain learning all about the oil and gas business. How he got to Spain, I have no idea. He became so efficient because he could speak Spanish very fluently. The government of the United States end up asking him, would you come back to America and be an ambassador to Mexico for us since you're so fluent? He accepted. When Henry Flipper died, they buried him in some field, something still in, what's that one in Virginia? What's it called? That, a grave? Arlington. What's that grave? They build a lot of, they, they, they bury a lot of veterans. Arlington Cemetery. Oh, Arlington, yeah. yeah. Arlington Cemetery. For 57 years, his family fought for his honor to be honorable destroyed. And they finally, in, I think, 18, in, no, 1970, they finally gave him an honorable discharge. And when dug up his grave, then pulled it to Arlington. Wow. 
was so I I read stories like this and it keeps instilling me where I came from and who I am. Mm-hmm. And you think I'll let anybody take that away from me? Mm-hmm. No. No. So I and I try to explain, I used to go to schools and and tell people the kids a story and I and act how you wear my spurs and my chaps and all this other stuff. But I would talk about the Buffalo Soldiers and Blue and Black Cowboys and I used to have pictures and showing all this. And the sad part was I would tell when I go to all black schools and I was talking about land, how valuable it can be and things you can do with land. Mm-hmm. And this is where the lack of education was because in our history books, we're not in it. Texas history books, Oklahoma history books, blacks are not in it. But I used to read about this stuff all the time. They attribute a lot of blacks, the only land is you're going to have to be a slave to that land. Hmm. That mentality been, and I'm like, oh my God, no, baby. No, no. You can grow things on it. You can raise things on it. Your land becomes valuable. It is so much of what your perception is, though, right? Exactly. That's it. It is, it is so <coughs> much of what your perception is. It's it's what you, when you look at, you know, a job, do you look at it as opportunity or a curse? Or, you know, all, it's all the same thing. You it's have to it's look, attitude. You, attitude, you have to look at it a different way. You have yeah. to. I remember when I went out, I got out of football, and I knew I was going to be in business for myself. But I had to get a job. And I went to a headhunter and I said, send me out on any kind of job y'all have so I figure out what I can do. So they don't teach you that in school. They don't teach you how to balance a checkbook. Mm-hmm. Even though I got this degree, but what's that going to do? Unless you know what to do. So well, you want to be a salesman, insurance salesman, car said, No, no, let me see what's out there. And I kept getting rejected. And my mind kept saying, why are you getting rejected? And you know why you getting rejected, Daddy? Because I'm looking at that person in the mirror. That's the only fear I got. I'm talking to him. Mm. You're not selling yourself. You're not telling them what you're worth. You're not telling them what you're doing. Do you realize you sold yourself to a university, got your education from that? You sold yourself to professional football and got paid for playing a sport you've been playing since grade school? I just don't know your product. Once I learn your product, because I'm trainable, I can sell anything. Yep. And they like, so then when they, I realized that, I went to this big corporation it's called Container Corporation of America. And I was talking to this HR guy. And I was telling him all this. He said, I said, within 30 days, I'm going to make a decision on what company I'm going to come and work with. I got several companies I'm talking to now. Y'all kind of on my list. I need to know about what kind of... Uh, benefits that you end up having. What is the longevity of the company? Tell me about your um, your ladder that you have with general manager, management, all the way up. I need to know those things. I got to have something to shoot for. If you can explain all that to me, sir, you're going to be on my list. And I'm going to make a decision within 30 days. <laughs> he looked at me and said, I've never had nobody come up. That's what I understand. I know how to make profit. When I left, my the HR guy, no, uh, the headhunter calls me up on the phone and said, hey, you don't go and tell people you got 30 days. I said, hey, wait, wait, wait a minute, man. Wait a minute, my, my man. Do you get paid for whatever company I go work for? Well, yeah. Don't tell me how to operate. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing. Within 30 days could be tomorrow. 
But the third day could be the 29th day. Yeah. Making them think. And then I got a job as a salesman for them. They gave me a company car, expense account, taught me how to use the expense account, all this other stuff. And I drove a Porsche at that time. And I remember general manager said, now, you know, you can't drive that car around. We'll give you a car. Sir, that's from the Baltimore Colts. They bought that for me. It has nothing to do with this life here. Now, if you're credible and you're a winner, like I understand this company has been for 35 years, you got a winner. Well, he still didn't come out. I could tell him he was an alcoholic. And so I had to deal with him. I said, okay, Arch. His name was Arch. He said, well, uh, uh, why don't you meet me every Monday at 7 o'clock at, say, IHOP. Let's see what your schedule going to be. He didn't know I was an early riser. I've been doing that ever since I was a kid. 4 o'clock in the morning. That was a piece of cake. Oh, you trying to check and see what I'm going to do? Mm-hmm. All right. Man, after the first two days, two times I met him, he was late getting there. He was, I'm like, God, man. So after two years working for Lauren about Corporate America, and I'm like, this is interesting how they got the skill. You got to talk to this guy to get to that guy to get to that guy, but you can't go direct to that guy. To me, he's another human being. Put his leg, mm-hmm. pants leg, one leg at a time. So I went to Arch and I said, look, I'm getting ready to buy this house. And I know that every year I have to do a performance to turn into you. Even though I get a base salary, but for my bonus, that's the only way I'm going to get this house. I just need you to sign off on it. He said, I can't do it. Excuse me? I'm getting a house. Shows more responsibility. Stability. Yeah. Well, I can't. I said, well, I've been there. You got a problem, Arch. I said, let me share something with you, partner. We were near Hobby Airport near Houston. The plant was. Look out your window. You see them airplanes out there? I'm going to start that business. I'm going to start cleaning those airplanes. I'm giving y'all two weeks. I'm out of here. And he, this idiot says to me, you mean you going to go get your hands dirty? I'm talking about stability, and you're telling me you're the coach, you're the quarterback, and I'm telling you I'm open so we can win. And you're not going to be supportive of it. I can't stay, partner. Yeah. I can't stay. Right. And I did. I wouldn't start the airplane business because of this guy. Yeah. You know, I, I, um, it, for, for guys like you, I think it's really hard for us to see that point of view from somebody who doesn't. You don't have to, but you don't have to, Todd, you don't have to. But I mean, like, I can't can't even fathom how you even get there, right? To (laughs) like, I mean, uh, you know, if I've got somebody that wants to make something out of it, it's like the the more he succeeds, the more I succeed. Exactly. That's that's where we are. Yeah. And it's like, man. But you got to deal. Why do you think they say the flock of sheep? Oh, yeah. You got more of them. Yeah. And they're in different positions, and you just got to weed them out. That's all it. And I'm saying, well, you don't work. So, next, I don't get caught up in your stuff. You got stuff you got to deal with. Let me go to person. Let me keep seeking till I find a person like mine. That's yeah. all I've ever done. And I think that that's like a, a, that's a big thing for someone who, because not everybody is going to pursue this. No. Right? It's, I mean, we're all, we're all different, right? And we all got that. But when we're talking to the one who does want, Right or has that desire and has that same kind of mindset, um, 
you're not going to let somebody dictate who you are. <laughs> no. You know, I mean, you just, you, I mean, just not, you're not going to put me in that, you know, mm-hmm. in that category and whatever. You can, but <laughs> I'm going to say That's you know? your stuff. Yeah, they, yeah. Whatever you category you think you'll put yeah. me in. I remember I was, out, I was in Houston at a, at a celebrity radio and that was a big time guy on a furniture company called Fingers. You know, you know, no, that's a great name. No, it's Robert Fingers. That's the name. Uh, Sonny Rice was training his cutting horses for him back in the day. And Sonny taught me how to ride a cutting horse. You know what they call about call a guy with called Fingers? Mm -mm. You call him Fingers because he he ain't no hand. Uh, No, he couldn't ride. Anyway, (laughs) he had this expensive horse he brought and let the celebrity ride. And I happened to be on it. Yeah. And he walks over to me, and I'm looking at him. I knew who he was. He said, you know who horse that is, young? Have no clue, sir. It's my horse. Nice horse. Joker sure can move. No way I'll look at a cow. You know how much that saddle costs? He said, no. Have no clue, sir. Real comfortable. I know it fits his horse. The saddle cost me $6,000. You knew how to buy stuff good quality. He was so mad, I wasn't impressed with who he was. And if I, you got to understand, you don't know where I came from yeah. and my process of thinking. Yeah. Like you were explaining before, I'm used to being on a team that everybody's got a different training experience. You got your tight ends, you got your linemen, mm-hmm. you got your center, you got your running backs, and you got your quarterbacks. We're hoping that everybody has a gift because we're trying to get from point A to point B at the same time, but they got different abilities. Your gift, I don't want to expect that to be mine. Mm-mm. I know what my gift is, what I got to add to the situation if we're going together as a team. So do I think I'm impressed with your gift? No, I admire it yeah. that you found your gift and you're doing well. Hope if a guy's digging ditches out there and putting a pole and he get excited about I get excited with him because he enjoying what he's doing. Yeah. That's that's the beauty of life. Yep. That's one of the best phrases that I ever heard was my mother telling me. I was just I was so enamored with different jobs when I was younger. Right. Like everybody's got different jobs and how does it what is this pay and what is that and whatever else? And my mom goes, you know, you can be anything you want to be. You can be a ditch digger. Yeah. Just plan on being the best, best darn ditch digger there is. That's exactly and right. And it's so true. Like if they, and you know what? That that is, I think, just as important of an un, of an understanding for people to understand too. That it's not that um, success is is measured by that ring, right? Mm-hmm. Success is measured by the guy that was part of the team that you know that challenged you to made you the better. That's you know, exactly like, right. That guy was just as important was. as it was the, the the PT guy that's doing all the physical training that kept you where it was that's at. Right. But everybody's a part of that team. That's exactly it's right. Such a huge team, that's right? right? And and um and I think the same thing for the horses that I think um that sometimes we lose sight of mm-hmm. as competitors and trainers, right? Is that kid's horse that man like what's the value of that horse man that value is huge because that makes my next competitor the next competitor right he is an integral part of that we were talking about earlier. Right. it's like well you know where, where do you get one of those horses? <coughs> well, 
Brother, those are hard to find. That's right. Why? Because that thing, that he's not the greatest in the world. Right. He's not going to win anything. He's got his little quirks, whatever else. But he teaches every one of my kids to be a better rider to, 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 and gives them the confidence to be able to do this. If I realize that, what's that horse worth? He's invaluable to my business. It is. Right? right? He is something that is like he's as important as the one that's winning the big deal. He's actually probably more important because he's supporting the bottom of my business that builds up to those big ones, right? That guy is super important, right? That's right. And I've got to see his value. If I'm smart about my business, if I'm smart about what mm-hmm. I do, and that's the hard thing about being the you know a horse trainer is that you have to be so multifaceted in that's it right. that you have to understand that you know my guy that. The guy that takes care of my barn, feeds my mm-hmm, horse, yeah, takes my stalls. There is no way I would be where I'm at without him. Right. Like that guy has more to do with my success than most. You can't find guys like him no. anymore, Tom. I'm telling you. No. He's four, I mean, 14 years. That's why right. I heard years. you say that. And I'm yes. like, oh my God. Do you know I'm finding when I was in the building business, it's hard to find good contractors that relate on my level. I knew I had to go through three or four uh, different subcontractors to find ones. And I didn't mind it because I knew what I had to go through that'll work with me, work at my schedule and what I'm looking for. And I would tell them, first of all, when I call you, I'm not calling, I ask about your family. I'm calling about your price or time when you can get there. I'm on a schedule. I'm rotating people all the time. Once I get my frame foundation in, I'm asking my framers to come in. Then my plumber. Then my electrician, my HVAC. I've got schedules to run. Mm-hmm. I just need to know because the price you gave me. I'm not looking for no friends in this business. I got my friends I go visit with. So just need to know when you're going to be here for the price that you say. Yeah. That we agreed on. And you know what? That is That is sometimes almost more important that the high-end quality of the job you know it is it's it's the i would imagine that it's like that the lineman you know that what's what's you know super uber talent or whatever no you need that guy that guy that you can count on that he's gonna exactly right he is going to that he and you need the you need the quarterback that inspires him that's exactly right he knows his value of his lineman and and he puts it on him and he inspires they inspire each other like it's just you know creating that teamwork um is is like matching your non-pros up with your good horses and it, and it oh, translates man. into everything you know i mean it translates you know i hadn't talked to anybody for three and a half hours todd like i have you i don't even remember okay ever having this conversation with my but the last thing i want to share with you and it could be um what do they call it in sports? Uh, trivial question, trivial, whatever it is. Yeah. You can ask your friends who called Johnny United's last touchdown pass in Memorial Stadium. I know the answer because it did my research, but I had to <laughs> dig for that research. Oh, really? That he hit me. That's, that's that's true. Right. And I mean, it was. I'm gonna tell you a story real quick. It was like a Cinderella story. New ownership has taken over. They got rid of most all the players. Now I'm a veteran receiver. Johnny United, they tell him when new owners come in, saying, you're not playing this year. You're just going to be on uh, on the sideline. We'll pay you because you are what the Baltimore coach represents. 
Right. Last game of season, I, uh, early in the season, I tore a groin muscle trying to heal. And I'm thinking, God, am I going to get to show again my leg? Because the new ownership, I don't know if I'm going to be here another year. Mm. I need to show. Last game season, I'm well. Three minutes slow in the game. We're playing Buffalo. We're running ahead of them. All of a sudden, the crowd gets up and start talking and screaming and hollering. Unitus, we stand. Unitus, we stand. Whoa. The players, we're looking at each other and we're saying, what the hell's going on? And next thing you know, you see Johnny Unitas running out in the middle of the field. We're like, oh, hell, man. The old man done lost it. You're not supposed to go out there. And he stops in the huddle and the quarterback comes out. And he goes in the huddle and he stops and stud him, look, and points towards me. Hinton, are you okay? Yep. Then I run in there. I don't look no coach or anything. Oh. Tell the little receiver, come on out. You got to get out of here, buddy. And he gets in the huddle and he said, I'm throwing you that crossing pattern. It's the only one we got here. No problem. I call him Mr. United. No problem, Mr. United. It's the whole time. He throws it, not accurate. But I'm thinking, it's the only pass that I'm going to get. I got to do something with it. Yeah. So much goes to your mind in split seconds like that. It's like I grab it and it's almost about being intercepted from this guy. I reach over his shoulder, snatch it out, outmaneuver two guys go 68 yards like I was possessed. And I'm standing in the end zone. Everybody's picking him up. And this is in the Canton Hall of Fame saying the video, Johnny Union Niners, all his accolades, and they never say, who caught it, it and ran it touchdown. But it's okay. I know. I mean, and for me to be part of his legacy was such an honor that I got to play with this guy and his mindset was just awesome. He knew the moment he come from under the center where all 21 men were, including where the referees were, he can be looking this way and throw to a spot over here because a lot of times, I would always go to his left. I would cut my route short and the ball about to hit me in the face, but I see his head pointing that way. Wow. He threw to spots. He threw, he knew the strength and weakness of every receiver. I was a hardball catcher. You throw the ball away from me, I concentrated more. Threw it right in my hands, I might drop it. We had a tight end. It was a premier tight end of the 60s named John Mackey. He had low center of gravity. He always threw the ball down like this way and catch John catch it like run over safety. He's gonna score. I mean, he was just off. And I'm like, oh my God. I had to earn his respect. It took him a year to think that I was okay because I was their first round draft choice. First size receiver that they ever had, one with speed, pressure, size, and well, no problem. I said, no problem, sir. Yeah. When I got to play my rookie year, my first year up there, we played Green Bay, top team back then. He would literally look at me, didn't think I was ready, and throw an interception. I had to say, okay. And when I knew he finally got his respect, we was playing my second year. We was playing uh, Chicago. Three minutes left to go in the game with six points down. We on the 45 with the momentum going in towards a score. Second and five. Need five yards to continue the momentum. You can feel it. He's a hinting, give me a curl route, go 15 yards, come back in. No problem, sir. You call me at this crucial time, I'll do it. 
I drive my guy off when I turn. The guy's about two or three yards off me. I'm thinking I catch it. I can outmaneuver. I can score for Mr. Unitas. Perfect pass right here. I give it a turn to run. The ball drops down between my legs. The worst feeling in the world, you look in the stands and you say, that idiot. But for a player, I don't want to go back to the huddle. Mm -hmm. Now it's third and five. Gets in the huddle and he said, Hinton, give me that same curl route again. Oh, you calling me second that? Whoa. I make the same movement. Drive the guy off. Turn. Perfect pass here. Turn it. Take off. Falls <laughs> the ground. Again, and I look up in the sky and say, God, just strike me dead. Oh. I don't want to go back to the huddle. No. Four to five field goal ain't going to do it. He says, Hinton, give me a five-yard out route, God, GD. <laughs> I said, What? He throws it. I'm on the outer side, on the out of bounds. Ball's coming this way. It looks like my feet are on the out of bounds. I'm tilt over. I catch a one hand out here. My feet are still in bounds. Get the five yards, get the momentum, go ahead and score and win the game. I'm really distraught. I'm basically crying. I go in the I go to the dressing room. He's changing. And I go up to and I say, Mr. Unitas, I don't understand something. Why would you do it not only the second time, but the third time when I dropped it? Because I knew you'd catch it. But only took a shower. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes, even then, the balance of the ball can make or break you. And what he was thinking was, when he first came into League Baltimore, he threw several interceptions. And the coach at that time was Eubank, that believed in him. And you know that sometimes players hit that point, need a little bit more confidence. And you got to keep working with him, working through it. That's what I learned from him. Don't give up. You know, <laughs> that's crazy. You know, I I wonder. Um, get that? I don't even wonder. You know, those are those are the the. We you've been able to be around a different level of yeah. competitor for extended periods of time, right? Right, and when you're in the presence of that. Right, you see great talent. And you you see those things, but when you when you are in the presence of someone who inspires others, right, and can see and is willing to step into that's those right. others, that's like that's the that's something that you don't see very often, even in that group. Right? I know, and. Um, Man, that's really cool to be around and to be a part of that. Oh, it was amazing. But then and his last pass. His last pass. But my first year, during my first year, we went to Kansas City. Back in those days, guys didn't work with weights. They didn't have uh, strength coaches, except 
Houston Oilers, uh, Oakland Raiders, and Kansas City Chiefs. They had stretch coach. These guys were. We had guys with bellies, okay, <laughs> lime belly, and it, and I never knew this, but uh, they were sitting in the dressing room smoking. I'm like, uh, these guys smoking, they professional, I guess. I, that's what they do. I don't do it anyway. We go to play in Kansas City, and one of the things that instilled, I guess, courage or confidence in you, you always look at the players' eyes, mm. and I'm looking them physically, and I'm thinking. Oh, my God, they're going to kick the crap out of us. Look how big these guys are. But the moment Johnny United, he kind of looked like a short guy with a crew cut haircut, bow-legged. He wasn't a big guy. No, he wasn't. Not like today's standards. No, not like these guys, like the guy from Pittsburgh and all that. Even Tom Brady tall. Yeah. But the moment he stepped up near the, the center, the eyes start quivering. You saw the respect. And you're like, oh, my God, this guy got, they call him the man, J.U. He had that kind, of, and that instilled passes down within you. We knew that there was two teams in the league that physically were going to hurt you. But we knew we were going to always win. Houston Oilers, can, and I can't say Jeep, Chicago Bears, they would hit you hard but they would break down in the fourth quarter mentally. We always knew that. And you had to know how to play two and three different positions as a player at that level. Wow. Ah, <laughs> I cool, mean, man. and then when I, when I tell someone that, I'm reminiscing like, did I do all that? <laughs> but yes, I had an opportunity to get to see at that level the processing of another level of, and not only athlete, but the mindset, the mind and the body trying to become one to do something at a level that you do with your horses. And that's what I love about your horse and man Mm -hmm. trying to come one at that moment of competition. For me, it's so exhilarating. It's like I was sharing with you earlier when my horse made a cut move and and I lost it because I screamed like, whoa, I didn't know he could do it. But no matter how much I tried to explain it to somebody, they couldn't understand it if they never experienced it. Yeah. I tell you what, I... um... Man, I've enjoyed this. <laughs> You're gonna have to come back. Oh, um, anytime. It is. It's. I. I it, it's such a pleasure to to. It's such a pleasure to be able to spend time with someone who, who has reached you know higher heights than than the average, right? But it's even greater whenever it's like, you see the um. You see the intelligence behind it, right? You see the hmm. the thought and the the effort, and then to see someone who has done that and then taken it and translated it into different parts of their lives too, right? It's, it's a foundation. Yeah, and it's and, and really understanding the foundation that you started with and how to use that somewhere else, right? I mean, because it's all the same thing. It is. It, it it's really all is. the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, like God told me one time when he went to Vietnam, he said he was saying mentally because he didn't know any better it's him how prejudiced he was until he got over there and he saw his brothers when they got shot his blood was red just like him 
That's what it took? Okay. <laughs> Not me. I don't need because I don't like pain. But, you know, it's it's some people's mentality and sometimes they don't know. But, Again, if it's not where I am, mm -hmm. if you're not trying to help me get to the next level, I don't hear you, Todd. I just don't hear them. Yeah. That's your stuff. If you don't like this or this color, because when I was in grade school, then going back a little bit, I was discriminated in my own neighborhood because I'm totally black, and we ran our little business because of what my parents did for a living. Mm -hmm. Then when I went to middle school and uh, integrated and and they didn't like me because of the color of my skin. I'm like, whoa, 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 good God. People got problems out here. Uh, they don't care if you're short or you're tall or you're white or, or whatever, or what color hair you got or skin. They don't like themselves. So what I'm going to do, so no joke, what I'm going to do, I'm going to pick the best out of everybody I see. I'm going to look for the goodness within them. Mm -hmm. And see, for years, I goofed off on people telling them good things like, oh, if it could be right there raining the snow and say, oh, the beautiful day today. I'd be lying to myself. I didn't care if you, get out, you died right here. I'd step over and go about this. But it kept opening doors for me. Right. Until I got to college and I'm like, oh, that's something, that's something to it being at your best. So if you're at your best, you don't have time to be negative about the situation because it takes too much energy. Yeah. Just keep looking. Keeping like David. That's it. Yeah, you eyes, just keep looking forward. Keep eyes on the prize. That's, That's really all it. I do. I mean, it's so simple to me. That's all I do. And it's a it's a daily deal. Right? Every day. Daily That's why I say I prepare myself for the unexpected because I know I'm gonna deal with the negative part more often. I'm. How do you handle it? You side it off. Especially nowadays, man. Oh my word! It. But it is. I mean, I think that's one of the, one of the. You know, I think that's one of the the great things about scripture is that as we go through it and read it and we as we grow, it it grows with us. And that's exactly right. Continue to speak on it, but you have to, you have to daily be open. You to have to the suggestion. You daily have to be working at it. That's right. Um, you know. The worst thing you can do is sit back and get comfortable. Oh, I know. I think it's one of the toughest things that you can do. That's why I'm not sitting around waiting on Judge Judy. Man, I got the good of you. <laughs> hey, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. I really did too. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe it. Almost four hours. Good hey, God. Crazy. I don't even spend that much time with a Thanks for listening to the Go Time Podcast with Todd Martin and Brendan O'Reilly. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Go Time Ranch so you can come work with us each day to learn, have fun, and be inspired. For information on bookings and merchandise, please visit www.gotimeranch.com.